Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Cracked Real Podcast, episode 6. I've uh, come a long way now by having 6 episodes out and obviously many more to come, but having a month worth of content, well, maybe not a month worth of content, I mean like 6-7 hours worth of content um, available over just in one month is, I'm quite happy about. That was also the worst collection of words put together there, it was just such fucking poor English, but what I'm trying to say is... It's all going well so far. I'm really happy with it. And I, I pretty much say this every episode now. I kind of give a, a thank you to everyone. But honestly, I am uh, very happy people are enjoying it. And happy people are sharing it around. And it's being enjoyed very much worldwide. I actually have more fucking weird uh, location news. Now, let me just actually open up my <laughs> Podbean account here so I can actually remember. But I remember on the first or the second episode I talked about how there was someone from Vietnam listening, which was just mind-blowing. It turned out to be a friend from Ireland who had a Vietnamese phone, uh, which kind of uh, dulls the uh, the joy I had thinking I had such fucking wide reach for one episode. But, I mean, it still shows up on the, the analytics here. Um, there was also someone from the Netherlands and a few others, but there's one I saw recently which uh, stuck out to me, I think, if I remember it correctly. It's a bit weird how they do it. Yeah, Luxembourg. Four people in Luxembourg are fucking listening. Lots in the UK and Ireland, I kind of expect that. And some in the United States are pretty happy with. But Netherlands, Vietnam, again. Uh, Australia. Now, there's, I only know like a couple of people who are over in Australia, but I don't know if any are in New South Wales. Or maybe one, actually. But even still, I'm just surprised it's kind of reached that far. Yeah, it's just really bizarre. <laughs> just seeing how the, the reach that this show has. Oh, New Zealand was another one. See, the, the way this is set up is a bit weird, too. It kind of shows you per month. So, yeah, New Zealand was last month. And Vietnam, Netherlands. So I need to find out who the fuck these people are. Like my Dutch fans. Dutch is Netherlands, isn't it? I don't know, could be wrong, I don't know. Um but yeah, it's been a week now since the Oscars. Everyone has had time to uh I suppose process. I'm quite happy. Obviously, like I said, with Parasite winning. Well deserved. I, I, again I'll say it I would have been happy it once for time in Hollywood, but I mean it was such a good year that any win any winner would have been good except maybe like three or four of them but you know what I mean uh, but what I find is interesting is that Odeon cinemas now have decided that they're going to show the movie and I would love if the distributors were just ballsy enough to go you know what fuck you we're not going to give you a chance to show it now obviously they're going to they, they want to get the money they want to have a, as far a reach as possible and with it being so popular they want to get in lots and lots of money so I totally understand that, but I would love if they were just like, no, you aren't going to give Parasite a chance anyway. You're only giving it a chance now because you look like fools for not showing it in the first place when showing everything else in the lead-up to Parasite. So, no, you can fuck off. That, that That's what I'd love for them to do, but obviously they won't. But there is also the good point of that is now people are going to get to see it. People who probably don't travel too far, particularly around where I am, a lot of people might not have the patience to go into town and fucking queue up to different cinemas despite there being so many. So to go local and get to see it is a good thing, but I know that there's there'll be people walking out going, "Oh, that's a reading film. I can't watch that," because uh, people are constant. But um, what I find interesting as well is there's a lot of kind of love for Korean cinema coming around now, and I think that's fucking really good. But it's it, I I don't know where like why is it only coming out now? I know it's because of one best picture, but Korean cinema has been fucking amazing for years, particularly his movies. He's had. A release on Netflix a couple of years ago called Okja or Okja whatever I I pronounce Okja anyway that's just how I read it but I think the the way it's said in Korean is Okja or Okja something like that and 
that was a fucking great movie. Like I think I might have mentioned it last week as well. It's really, really dark, surprisingly dark, but also quite light-hearted. Like it almost feels like a family film made by a a very non-family film director. So it it's a strange one. I wouldn't watch it with the kids now. Don't don't fucking mistake what I'm saying here. But that's been out for years and it didn't get nearly enough attention. Snowpiercer for some reason isn't even on fucking DVD or Blu-ray over here. It's been out for years. Uh, I don't know how long. Maybe the fucking six or seven years or something it's been out and no one is fucking talking about it uh it did show on film four though a week or so back and i think it's on netflix it might be but it hasn't had an official release here at all and i was fucking gunning for it for years uh, i had to rely on a german blu-ray but it's a pain in the arse like korean films in general like i've been i've been like park chan wook would probably be another one who's high up there because a lot of people have seen old boy old boy for me was my introduction to Korean cinema and most extreme cinema, uh, to be honest, but that and Battle Royale. But people are only getting into this stuff now, and while it is really good, it's also frustrating the amount of outlets and stuff like that that are singing the praises of Korean films when they didn't fucking say anything about them before. It's like they're only doing it because they're like, oh, Korean cinema is really in now, especially with Parasite, so we're going to just act like we've been following this for years and push it like we've, uh, we've been laughing at those who haven't watched it. And I'm like, you're not. You're fucking liars. You, sh- you should have been pushing this from the start anyway because it's that fucking good uh, I do actually intend to do maybe like a 10 top 10 Korean films to watch but here's the thing I, I saw a list recently which had 20 or 25 Korean films that you should see especially now because like I said all these articles are coming out but I saw fuck all of them I think I saw 6 of them or 6 out of 20 I think I saw and I was thinking fucking hell I haven't seen loads of these there's a few I'd heard of that I've been meaning to see there's loads I'd never heard of in my life and I was kind of annoyed. I was like, geez, I thought I fucking knew a decent bit about it. But to be honest, most of the Korean stuff I watch, I'd say a good 95% of it, are crime movies and thrillers. So there's a whole, like, there's several genres worth of Korean stuff I still don't really know about. But I, what's good now is that these are getting attention now. And I really hope that this continues, but I just hope that it's not going to fucking be a flavour of the month kind of thing where they're like, oh, Korean cinema is so in because of Parasite and then eventually they're just like oh yeah let's forget all about that now and and move on to other shite or the same old shite we've always talked about like i remember in the odeon that was the first or no maybe just odeon don't really show foreign films it's extremely rare i'm trying to hark back now and remember to if they've shown stuff before the only thing that comes to mind is a very surprising double bill when they showed the raid one and two back to back they actually showed both of those raid films in, on general release I'm really surprised at that because it's such a fucking rarity up there but I remember I got to see The Raid 2 in a double bill with the first one and it was just fucking incredible but I don't understand what, like there's so many foreign films every year that are amazing that they don't go near and now suddenly they're showing I think they're showing two now but they're getting Parasite in there too and it's like where where's this fucking attention to foreign films before this is the, the whole reason why I go to Cineworld instead like Odeon is fucking 10 minutes up the road from me like 15 minutes walk, 5 minutes in a car, depending on traffic and all that shit. But it's so close, it's the stone's throw away. And Cineworld's in town, which can sometimes take a fucking hour to get in, depending on how the buses are and all that. But I would still rather go through all that shit than go up to their selection, because they have Harley Quinn Birds of Prey on three screens. Now the reason I emphasised how I said that is because in a fucking desperate move to try to get people to see the new Harley Quinn movie, or Birds of Prey... They've decided to actually change the title after one week. It just it 
it's so embarrassing it just reeks of fucking desperation they released the movie as birds of prey thick as fuck fucking general audiences went oh I, I don't know what that movie is so i'm not gonna watch it despite the fact that harley quinn has been dancing around tv screens and posters for the last fucking month and a half building me up for this movie called birds of prey you didn't know what suicide squad was before that i didn't have to go the joker and harley quinn suicide squad you didn't need that but for this people didn't see birds of prey so they think hmm it might not be that the movie doesn't really appeal to everyone. It could be juvenile and over the top. Now, bearing in mind, I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to see it during the week and I didn't get a chance. But I have a, a flavour of what it's about. They think that those are the reasons it's not deterring people. The stuff that Suicide Squad was fucking riddled with. They think, now people just didn't know it was a Harley Quinn movie. So we're going to put Harley Quinn in the title. It's just so fucking stupid. I, I, I've seen it before. I've seen it happen with fucking stuff that moves... Uh, Loose Country. So there was a movie that came out in America. Uh, I didn't watch it. Apparently it wasn't great anyway. There's Actually, I've got two. I remember taking pictures of these. When I used to go to Extra Vision, I'd look at some of the new releases coming out and I'd see it and I'd go, fuck, I've never heard of this. And then I'd look at the back and go, oh, I've seen this. Because they fucking changed the names and stuff. But there was this movie that came out with Ed Harris and Ethan Hawke. So the original name of it came out in 2014. was called Cymbeline. So C-Y-M-B-E-L-I-N-E. And I think it's the name of a character in it or some shit like that. But it's Ethan Hawke, Ed Harris and Mila Jojovic. So, and what's his fucking face? Uh, John Leguizamo. So yeah, the height of stardom there. But what you have in this is a biker movie that didn't really go anywhere. People didn't really like it. Meant to be fairly shy. It's based on a, a Shakespeare novel or play. So it failed in America. But what they did was when it came over here. And in the UK, they were like, okay, we have to remarket this film because people know that Cymbeline went nowhere, even though I'd never even fucking, like, most people wouldn't have heard of it. But what they've decided to do is, and actually they've done it in fucking the USA as well, because of Sons of Anarchy, anything to do with fucking bikes was called, had anarchy or had Sons of Anarchy-esque font and shit like that to, to trick people into seeing it. And what they did was they changed the title of this movie to Anarchy, Ride or Die. Which is the fucking lame. It sounds like that shitty uh, One Percenters fucking PS2 game or whatever it was. We're just biker character and it's the most botched fucking piece of shit game ever. I don't remember the name of it. It could be like Outlaw, Ride or Die or some shit like that. But it's garbage. But they've done the same here. They, they, they're trying to trick audiences into seeing something else. Because they, they realise it was a total failure. And... Like those Transmorphers fucking paranormal entity or whatever the fuck they call it. These, these cheap Chinese produced knockoff, or it's like Chinese company, knockoff versions of popular movies like Paranormal Activity and... What was the fucking version I said? Transformers. So they're trying to do the same thing here. They're, they're lying to the audience hoping that someone's walking around the shop going, Oh, that's only in the cinema. I'm going to fucking grab that now. I didn't realise it was already out on DVD. And they get home and they see a pile of shite. Now... This is maybe not as extreme as the Transmorphers bullshit movies, but it's the same kind of principle. And there's another one, which this was desperate too, because this was right after Fury Road came out. Now I will never in a million years remember the name of this fucking movie. It could be like the Young something, but I know Michael Shannon was in it. And let me just—I'm gonna just quickly scroll through his IMDb to find the name of this movie because I know they 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 tried to change it to suit the atmosphere of the the fucking film or because mad max was popular they tried to do that so where is it i think it's called the young ones yeah young ones another flop it was like a post-apocalyptic 
futuristic love story kind of thing. Uh, Nicholas Holt is in it, Cody Smith-McPhee, Michael Shannon, and Ellie Fanning. So you had all those characters in it, good actors, and the movie failed. So when it came across over here, they were like, well, how do we market this movie? And the fucking, I'm looking at the poster here for Young Ones. The Young Ones poster's fine. When it comes over here, they call it, oh my God, it doesn't even have the fucking title here. I think it's called, I, as far as I remember, it was called, ba- oh no, here it is, sorry. Um, yeah, Badland, Road to Fury. In a fucking, and it's almost the exact same fucking colour palette as the uh, Fury Road poster. The real heavy teal and orange look. With pretty much the same font with Road to Fury. They're throwing the word Fury in because Fury Road. And they're, again, putting a movie out there that has nothing to do with it and tricking people into fucking seeing it. And another one, I'm gonna. I'm not going to do all these because I'd be fucking here all day because it happens so fucking often. But there was one movie called The Harvest that came out a couple of years ago three or four years ago now in fairness i think both sides of this did it wrong they, they advertised it poorly but it's this movie another one i think michael shannon's in that as well it's a hard it's it's advertised as a horror movie if you see the poster for the harvest it has a really kind of intense looking um like fiery burning house with his face on it and i think it has a little kid in a wheelchair I mean, i've got to see if i can find that poster first um pretty sure it was yeah it's definitely called the harvest but it's not showing up on indb which is extremely annoying because actually it might be under the other fucking stupid title if i can find it i can't fucking find it anyway but yeah it's, it's this the original poster for the harvest had this like flaming house it looks really tense and the movie itself is actually really kind of it's a definitely a thriller but it's more of a fucking slow drama like it's just I wouldn't call it a horror. It has some tense moments in it, but to call it a horror, I think, is misleading. So their poster alone was fairly... Not bad. It was a good poster, but it, it misrepresented the film. But again, didn't do well in America. So what they did over here is they called it something like Can't Come Out to Play. And it has, like, creepy little girl on the cover. This dull grey... Everything looks like it's a, a burnt-out Silent Hill-looking fucking house. And this kid looking like creepy in a fucking wheelchair I, actually i want to find a poster it's pissing me off now so i can describe it uh, and i may upload it on instagram which i'm going to get into now in a sec okay so i'm looking at the poster here it's the dvd it has like all these it has a review from bloody disgusting it says like harrowing from variety saying powerful five star reviews all this to make it look really like it's going to be a proper shocker and it says can't come out to play it's this horrible grind like the whole place looks so abandoned the freaking foggy woods abandoned burnt out house crows bloody mouth and like darkened eyes it's such a fucking misleading poster it's unbelievable if you saw that poster and you threw it on you'd be expecting something like nearly like hereditary or something something really fucking intense but it's not it's just a fucking slow burning kind of tense at times mostly a dark it's like a, a a drama movie i'm trying to get a, the word to describe it because it's an overprotective parent type um i don't remember the name for it but that's kind of what the plot is but it's just fucking there, there actually is a really really decent uh side plot in it. i think it's smart what they do and i think in a different atmosphere that could fit as a horror movie but the way this is it is not a horror movie they advertise it that way and again it's lying to the audience and I just see it happen all the time. And this now, Birds of Prey might not be lying to the audience, but it's a desperate fucking attempt to 
trick people in nearly it's like look if you, if your movie didn't work the first time by throwing her name on it isn't really going to help but of course they'll just do anything they can to fucking get people in the cinema so <sighs> I don't know I've actually completely I, I've, I've totally gone off topic I'm trying to remember what the fuck I was talking about I know I started talking about Korean films but um, I did give a mention moments ago about Instagram now what I've done is I, I made a quick post about this on Facebook and what they're doing or what I'm doing, sorry, is I've set up an Instagram page for Cracked Real and the podcast. Mostly for the, I have a, it's called Cracked Real Podcast with an underscore between Cracked Real and Podcast. And my main goal is, because when I first joined Instagram, obviously I just take pictures of whatever shite I saw, but I kind of got into uploading pictures of my Blu-rays and whatever else I buy. And the community on that is fucking huge. So like, there's hundreds of followers I just attained from putting pictures of the blu-rays i put up there so what i decided is i'm going to expand this through instagram and i mean compared to the facebook page what i do on the facebook page is i usually put up reviews and i put up the posters for the movies that i saw and the odd kind of link and links to this of course but i think with instagram i have a bit more room to put more interesting shit up there so what i've been doing so far is i've i put up posters of what i'm going to watch the same as i do on facebook uh, as i watch them rather than wait for a review uh, and i do that as part of the stories as well and I've decided to put posters for new movies coming out that I think are interesting. Uh, I upload all my Blu-rays there as well. So if you're... Everything I buy that's new, you'll get to see there. And I might actually just do little collection photos. Because I mean, I have a shitload of Arrow films and Eureka stuff. And German Blu-rays and shit like that. And I might just do a little kind of dedication post to them. And one thing that I've, I've wanted to do anyway. But I didn't really like... My own Instagram page wasn't really a good spot for it. But was do film stills it's like images from movies and screenshots that i fucking love uh some movies we could do to- thousands of them and they said dozens and thousands at the same time there which would have been dozens but like the likes of mandy or something like that something really visually strong you could do fucking hundreds of pictures of that or taken from that movie but obviously you get a limited 10 so what i do is i'd have the the title of the movie the actual title card of the movie and then nine choice screenshots from it that kind of give a flavor to the movie but also kind of demonstrate just how good they look uh i briefly did something like that. i set up a page a few years ago called perfect cinema and that was just to show amazing screenshots and movie stills just from movies that people may not have heard of or even just movies they have heard of but stuff that looks amazing like i even for the one what i've been doing now is i'm gonna put up some for the joker at some stage uh when i actually get the movie and i can fucking get the screenshots for it but everything else is just like so far i've done bringing out the dead laughing policeman and white god and beyond the black rainbow so i've done a only four films so far but i kind of i think they're movies i've watched i've talked about before but people are kind of getting an idea of what they look like now especially if they don't bother to look at trailers or they haven't heard of them i'm hoping it'll encourage people to seek the movies out so that's just one of the things i'm doing on instagram but also i'm expanding this because there's so many podcasts, there's so many film review pages on Instagram, there's so many just fanatics about movies and movies still really dedicated pages on Instagram about like there's one that started following me, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's to do with people on the phone in movies. And it's just all these amazing shots of movies of people using phones and conversations on phones and all this shit. So there's a lot of really dedicated stuff and it's a, a, a savage platform to actually expand. So I'm hoping through that I'll be able to get a lot more people involved and interact with them and maybe fucking record with them and whatever else. At the moment, though, if you're interested in this and you like what I do on the 
Facebook page and you're like what I'm doing here, give that a follow as well because you'll kind of get a bit more fun out of it. I don't know. I don't know what way to put this. I'm not much of a fucking salesman in terms of even if I'm fucking selling my own shit. But yeah, I, I'm trying to, I, like I said, I don't like taking notes usually, but during the week I fucking forget stuff. So I just have stuff written down here. So I have Korean cinema because I wanted to make mention of that. And obviously Birds of Prey. But there's something here on Instagram. But there's something here I forgot about. And I don't know how I did with it being such a huge controversy. But this has to be. And fucking segueing in from uh, salesmanship. Fucking The Hunt. That movie that was supposed to come out last year. Not the amazing, amazing fucking movie with Mads Mikkelsen that came out about a decade ago nearly. Uh, which I thoroughly recommend people watch. It's one of the most gut-wrenchingly tense things I've ever seen but it's not even a thriller it's just I don't want to say anything about it just go in blind other than it's incredible also Arrow Academy released it so there's a Savage Blu-ray that out there fully recommend it do what you can but no this is a movie that was supposed to come out last October I think it was August but between August October November and December around that time um, did I say that right? Ah, you know what I mean uh, the, the fucking fall of the year uh, winter it was supposed to come out around then and there was a fucking gigantic controversy about it so it kind of like a, there was another movie out called Ready or Not which I, I might have talked about I think I did talk about did I talk about it last week no I might have actually just been talking to someone in person about it but that movie anyway had this whole idea of this woman's marrying into a wealthy family and any new person who's going to join the family has to play a game at the big family event and if it happens to be hide and seek then you have to play hide and seek with this family who are all trying to kill you you've got something like seven eight hours or something like that or till uh to sunrise to get away from them and it was good crack and it was it's more just on a fun schlocky horror side there's a bit of a i suppose a social commentary in it but not quite as much as the hunt. Now the hunt, from what I like, I tried to avoid the trailers because I was kind of sold on it anyway. But what it's kind of selling is that I think it's rich people are going around hunting rednecks, or it could be rednecks going around hunting rich people. It's one or the other. I, 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 you know, it's it's probably a bad idea to even talk about it because I have I haven't researched it, and there's a reason I haven't. Uh, which is what I'm going to get into now because, like I said, I was sort of sold on the movie anyway. I like the cast. I know I know the basic idea of it's humans hunting humans for sport. That's that's all I needed to know. And I've been avoiding reading anything about it because I want to see it and I want to go in as blind as I can. Because the problem with Ready or Not was I, I saw more than I wanted to about it, which kind of killed a lot of the the twists and the fun of that movie. So it, it, it probably just comes together really poor the way I'm talking about it now. But it looks... A lot of fun and what happened was there was uproar over the first teaser that came out about it because people were saying it was discriminatory towards well they thought it was a big anti-Trump movie because I think someone has a MAGA hat or like they, they wear a red hat or something somehow they linked it to Trump which I don't think it has anything to do with and Trump himself then probably not even looking into it said that this movie is fucking disgusting and it's it's basically saying that anyone who follows me or anyone who's a Republican deserves to die. And that's kind of what he took from it. And what ended up happening was he whinged about it, loads of people whinged about it, and then the producer said, oh, there was a fucking, there was several shootings. I think, I don't remember what shootings there were, which 
that's fucking says it all about America really where you're not sure which shooting I'm talking about which should be fucking only no shootings actually but I think it was a shooting in a church and it could have been I'm not sure if it was the Vegas one so I, I'm not really up to date on my shootings but there was some fucking shooting that happened and they said look you can't release this movie around now it's way too hot it seems like it's it's going to only encourage this which I don't agree with I don't believe movies encourage violence at all or video games or music but people were worried it was going to encourage more violence and it was a bad time to release it so the producers I think it was Universal said look we're actually going to take a step back we're not going to release the movie now I was fucking enraged by that I was like that's ridiculous I mean it's bad enough to not release the movie in America but to not release it at all so they didn't even get a release over here or in the UK or anywhere so I was like that's a lot of bollocks and I was kind of pissed off about it and then I sort of forgot about it because as far as I was concerned the movie was shelved I was hoping it would come back but I never knew anything about it but now it is it's coming back next month in America hopefully over here as well around the same time um but what they're doing they they've just fallen into the perfect media campaign that you could ever have so at the time that movie would have came and went it would have just been probably compared to ready or not and people go oh yeah they're kind of similar and that would have been it but what's happened now is there was such a massive controversy over it everyone was talking about it everyone knows about it or at least they should and it, it doesn't even matter how popular the movie is because people want to see it so badly because they've heard this movie has been effectively banned which is how they're going to push it everyone's going to want to see it so it's already it's bought and paid for and fucking the poster that came out for it now kind of has the slogan of the best movie or the, the most talked about movie you've never seen or that nobody's seen something along those lines that's going to get everyone in there basically the last six months they might have been delayed with how they want to release the film but it's been six months of free ultra press for this movie and i'd be surprised now if donald trump doesn't actually mention it when it's coming out now he'll probably encourage people not to see it which will only encourage people to see it if someone tells me not to see something like not in a sort of like oh this movie's shite but if they're like oh i don't dare see this movie then fucking hell i'm absolutely gonna see it so this movie is gonna be a massive success whether the movie's good, I don't know. Hopefully it's a bit more better structured than uh, Ready or Not. Which I still enjoyed, but it, it does have its flaws. I hope this is better. But even if it's not better, this movie is going to be fucking gigantic. So, even though at the time I was cursing it, going, oh, what a lot of bollocks, I can't believe they backed out. It's probably the best decision they've made financially. Because this is going to be an absolute... I know you said bomb. Smash. That's the word I was looking for. Smash at the box office. So, well played, everyone involved. I feel a bit rambly today because my head's a bit foggy. I have a cold coming in, I have the horrible fucking wind outside. So, this probably, how this all comes together, I have no fucking clue. But I'm going to press on and I'm going to talk about action movies very briefly because in the last month, maybe, I've just gotten such a fucking bug for 80s action movies and just action movies in general. Now, I talked about in search of the last action here is that documentary by oliver harper and i thought it was good i enjoyed it now it's it it did feel like a, a good really good two-hour youtube video rather than a, a movie but or a documentary but it, it's well worth watching it kind of got me thinking about all these action movies i want to watch again and obviously uh, joe donahue from the lazy dad's guide to movies he's fucking crazy for the really top tier hong kong action cinema and we've always just been talking about it and just how action movies nowadays do things differently. And 
I mean, I, I, I tend to sound like a fucking like a seventy year old man whinging about everything. Just that they weren't like the old days. But in fairness, just action movies back in the day, even the poor ones, are so fucking much better than the stuff that's out now. Now I'm gonna talk about two movies. Well, one is more just an interesting thing I figured out, uh, which which turns it sort of into a collector's item. But I was looking into uh, No Retreat, No Surrender Two. Whoa, serious whistle in my fucking teeth there. I don't know how I did that. That's gonna pick up really weird. It actually looks like it spiked the audio. Um, but yeah, No Retreat, No Surrender Two. Uh, I've never seen the last twenty or so minutes of that years ago, and it's just fucking mayhem the action scenes are amazing it had that real sort of hong kong action movie style maybe not as well choreographed in terms of the fighting but the actual stunt work and madness of it and the the way it's filmed is very similar to all that and plus he had cynthia rothrock so she was a, a big part of all that um but i just remember seeing that going that was fucking crazy I said i want to actually watch those movies and again from watching blood sport and watching kickbox again i was like i want to see no retreat no surrender one which van damme played a villain in now apparently it's garbage but I still kind of want to see it for the sake of maybe seeing the second but from what I remember or from what I know they don't really connect and there was a third one then and a fourth one which had what's that guy's Billy oh, I won't remember Billy Blanks I think it was who was in it he did a lot of stuff with Roddy Piper um, but yeah this one was just fucking fairly poorly received and I was looking into some of the reasons why now there's been new Blu-rays coming out all over America and wherever else and remastered and all this but everyone's really unhappy about it and I thought right is this to do with picture quality is this to do with I, I don't know what it turns out that in 2004 the first DVD release of it or 2003 I got but the first DVD release of this movie came out and it was 10 minutes longer with no mention of being a director's cut or extended version or anything like that and people obviously were flocking to see it because they were like, oh, this is a favourite movie of the 80s growing up. I want to fucking see what this extended version is like. Or this new version that's on DVD. It's going to be remastered and everything else. Now, the quality apparently still wasn't that great because I think the film itself was just very poorly made despite being done by a reputable enough director. Um, but people saw it and they were like, okay, this is fucking gammy. And then they're watching it thinking, so much of this is different. All the music has changed. Some of the dialogue has changed. It's really, really corny and stupid and it's just lame half the fight scenes are trimmed down and it's just it meant to be all over the fucking shop and i think the new blu-ray that's come out or the, maybe not new but the blu-ray that has come out is the same version as that dvd one maybe better quality obviously a better master probably from the 2k but from what i found out the original vhs version was like an entirely different movie it has a way more serious tone it cuts out all these extra scenes of like dumb comical stuff the music in the actual fight scenes is just kind of tense. It's very quick. There's no sort of build-up of people talking before the fight. It's just they hop straight in and they're battering each other. And it's about... I think it's only like 79 minutes. It's about 10-15 minutes shorter than the one that's come out on DVD and Blu-ray. But this version seems to be completely unavailable. People have only assembled it from versions they recorded off TV. Some people have tried to do fan edits, which I was looking into as well. And uh, I'd actually love to... I might do it a piece on fan edits uh, another time because I'm not going to get into it now because I haven't really researched what I want to talk about but I was just remembering a, an amazing fan edit I watched of Twin Peaks which again I'll get to on the next time I talk about it maybe next week um, although no I, I'm determined now for this weekend to maybe throw in a couple of reviews but I'm going to do 
that fucking big list of movies from or the best of 2019 and the best of the decade I want them out of the way now because they're going to be hanging over my head for ages and it's nearly fucking March well it's halfway through uh, February but you know what I mean so um, that version of No Retreat No Surrender seems to be impossible to get and it's unfortunate and you think at this stage and this like the way Blu-rays are now everybody is getting versions of the movies that they've always wanted and this is this is one thing that streaming can't do is that like I look at Amazon Prime and they have savage movies I've always wanted to see and like really hard to find stuff but they might just have one version of them but then you get an amazing Blu-ray that comes in and has three versions of the movie one that's like a rare fucking shown once on TV version of it and you just get these really definitive amazing editions of stuff it surprises me that they haven't released a proper version of No Retreat No Surrender especially with the huge fucking fan outcry for it it's not that this is just a small group of elite fucking or not elite what was the word uh, uh, cult fans of the original who just want to have the best version available this is nearly anyone who likes the movie has said yeah the version that's out on DVD and Blu-ray is dog shit they haven't got the fucking VHS one out so it surprises me they haven't bothered their arse to suss out a version of that and release it properly it, it just seems bizarre to me but the reason I as I said mentioned these is talking about action movies now I usually when I when I go through the movies that I've watched during the week I try do it in order I've seen how I've seen them but I'm not going to bother this week and to be honest the only new movie I watched this week was which I'll talk about in a few minutes I'm not even going to say the name of it but I, re- I actually re-watched Uncle James because my brother was watching it and I decided to sit in with him and it's just it's perfect every time I watch it it's fucking amazing just try and stop me watching it more times but the movie I watched the other day and just in general I've been talking about like Kickboxer and all these 80s action movies and some 90s but the action movies in the 80s the stuff that goes on in them would be the highest of spectacle nowadays and it's just a basic stunt in those movies now I watched Action Jackson the other night Carl Weathers action movie it's basically one of the last black exploitation movies and if you can imagine like a 70s style black exploitation movie but set in the 80s and it has 80s tropes it, it's such a it's a weird mixture because it's it's so like black exploitation movies are so of the time in the 70s and they, they while they all have their differences they all kind of have very similar running themes usually drugs and pimps and all that kind of shit but this one just kind of it has a very regular action movie feel but it kind of has a really gritty side to it that you'd only really see back in the day and now for if you're talking about cast this movie is outrageous now i've been meaning to see it for years i always thought from the poster it had this like james bond quality and that's what they're trying to push but it's a really fucking misleading poster um but with this movie okay so you have carl weathers you have craig t nelson you have sharon stone you have thomas f wilson who plays biff in back to the future you have bill duke you have robert davy or davy or the fuck you say his name uh and then you have mary ellen trainer and ed o ross who are both in lethal weapon and uh trainers in die hard and a fucking whole heap of shit and now name wise i might not remember some of these but fucking argyle from die hard the guy the terrorist who works at the the desk at the start of die hard and you have al young probably one of the most famous henchmen in fucking movie or action movie history there's so many people and just even more people that you'd recognize uh, uh what's his name sonny lanham is in it as well and this is because joel silver produced it and he produced obviously die hard and predator and the lethal weapon movie so he, it's like and as far as i know carl weathers pitched this idea while he was making predator and it went on from there but this is just like that he cherry picked all his mates from all the movies that he produced and just threw them into this movie and it's fucking amazing i was blown away by this movie because 
Now, I'm going to say straight out the bat, I'm going to get the negative out of the way first, because the plot is fucking a mess. It's been seen a million times, but it's just kind of all over the shop. It's not that interesting at all. It's daft, and it kind of, I think a lot of the comedy falls flat. The strength in this movie is the unfucking believable action scenes. I was so fucking blown away by these. The, the opening action scene, first of all, I thought there was ninjas in it, which obviously jumped the movie up several pegs, but unfortunately they weren't quite ninjas. Um, but there's a, someone gets blown out a window with a rocket launcher, and there's a flaming real body falling several stories through a glass fucking pane. And it's just, the shit that they just did for what is effectively just a daft action movie that didn't really go anywhere. And unfortunately, like I think it was a flop at the time, but I'm hoping it's receiving cult uh, status now because it well deserves it. But you have this incredible fucking stunt. And then I just thought like, okay, are they going to just blow their load in the first fucking stunt and then the rest of the movie is going to be really cheap and shitty? Nope, not at all. Every fucking stunt and action scene in this movie had me blown away. Carl Weathers as well, because he was originally a linebacker, he runs T-1000 levels fast. Like he's chasing after a car and barely looks like he breaks a sweat but it, what I liked about it was I, you, you don't often see people running fast in movies because there's so much heavy editing and like even if you look at Tom Cruise Tom Cruise is very good at running which is, is a weird compliment to give but he always gives like he looks like he's really belting it along but there's so much editing around it that it doesn't really feel quite as fast as it is Carweathers looks like he's outrunning the camera and the fucking car it just has me totally fucking on edge immediately it's so fucking well done and that leads into like this huge fucking car chase full of explosions and like the stunts that are done like there's times where it looks like he's doing his own stunts there are a few moments in it he 100% is but there's other times where like the guy's hanging on top of the car swerving through traffic and the shit's blowing up like five feet away from them like it's fucking unbelievable and when you look at fucking action films that come out nowadays, like at the time that would have just been considered a typical schlocky, just oh yeah, no brainer fun action movie, which it is, and it's tremendous fucking fun. I'd actually thoroughly recommend it, and especially getting to see like like I said those fight scenes, uh, so like the guy the guy who plays Billy in Predator, or sorry Sonny Lanham, like a stunt he does jumping through a window and landing on the ledge, like or like through another window is just like whoever did that stunt must be in he's probably dead like it's so fucking painful looking and it's handled so well and that's that's why i mentioned the kind of black exploitation element of it because those movies while they were kind of cheesy and fun and about crime whatever else they had some really nasty fucking violence in it and that's kind of both a strength and a weakness for this because as a strength the action scenes are fucking amazing and really brutal and that's the kind of that's the weakness in terms of the tone because it's trying to be a fun almost beverly hills cop kind of daft actioner but some of the fight scenes and everything else they're really wince worthy fucking painful scenes that are going on so it's kind of i mean i loved it that's exactly what i want but i can see why if someone's just trying on something for a good goofy fun they're gonna be sitting there kind of going geez this is pretty fucking rough but what i was saying was that action movies nowadays when they have these fucking scenes whether it be explode first of all explosions are nearly always fucking cgi now and they're just it's so shit looking it's very rare i look at an, a cgi explosion in a movie and i'm blown away by it now there's times where i accept it better because i mean some movies they have to rely on cgi for what they're trying to do and i'm like yeah that's fine a lot of cgi fire looks like shit but when you see real explosions the 
difference it makes is something else. It's just there's so much it, you're seeing it. You're just really seeing it. And like there was a time in my life where when I saw CGI, I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. But now I'm just like, I want to see the real thing. And I've talked about this with horror before, but with action as well. I remember I mentioned Billy Blanks earlier being in a Roddy Piper action movie. There's one I saw. Uh, if I can remember the name now because I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. I'll, I'll look up the name, but the movie itself is quite shit. I mean, like, you know, when I was saying about Action Jackson in that the action scenes are the best part of it, the plot is kind of shite, you totally forgive how kind of weak the plot is purely because the action is so strong. And, I mean, I enjoy watching Car Weathers. There's, there's so much recognisable faces and it just has an all-around atmosphere of this is pure 80s action fun. The, the plot doesn't matter. You're just waiting for the next set piece. But the Roddy Piper stuff, and this movie in particular, I'm going to mention, if I can fucking remember the name, I'm actually looking it up now, because Roddy McDowell, no, not him, or her, him. Is it him? What am I thinking of? Andy McDowell. Um, I just want to get the name of this movie, because it's going to annoy me if I'm, I'm just sitting here trying to fucking think of it while talking shit. Back in action, that's what it was called. It's fairly shite. I, I Like, I... I it has its merits. There's some great... Oh, no, wait. No. I'm half mixing up what I'm trying to talk about here. I'm not actually reviewing that movie. What I'm trying to say is that a movie like that, like Back in Action, which is a shit plot, and I actually didn't really enjoy the movie much. There is a lot of enjoyable elements, but I do maybe want to give it another go, because like I said, I'm watching movies very differently now the last few months, uh, like I mentioned before, about how I my enjoyment is my number one goal above anything else, because I've become too critical otherwise. But we're back in action. I remember just thinking, like, this isn't a great movie. But I was looking at it going, this is a cheap, shitty movie that you can get for fucking... Like, back when uh, DVDs were worth a bit of cash, you could get this for 99p or 99 cent in a shop. Like, it, that's that's how bottom-rung these action movies are. Full of real explosions, savage fucking stuntmen and fight scenes, and all this kind of shit. And... At the time, people would see it and just kind of go, ah, that's cheap. It's not fucking Terminator 2. Because like, obviously, that's going to be the high bar for nearly everything. But these kind of cheap, shitty movies that you'd always kind of roll your eyes at and go, ah, they're not really worth watching. They're ten times more thrilling than the action that's out now. Everything out now is just fast editing, loads of CGI, really kind of ineffective, bloodless fucking violence. And it's shot digitally too, so it kind of it, 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 all, it looks faker in that way, I think. But when you're looking at it, these movies are shot on fucking 16 and 35 mil. They're full of insane fucking action set pieces that are... They were just throwaway things back then. <clears throat> Sorry, that was uh, that was something I wanted to mention before about kind of giving a pass to movies nowadays. Which I, find, I found myself doing critically. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. But what I'm saying is you're looking at these movies that... A typical action scene for them is like, okay, this character is going to jump off this building out of the way of a car that's speeding up a rab about to crash into the building and ex- explode behind them now if that was done nowadays like b- fucking fast and the furious kind of thing it first of all would be full of a thousand five hundred different edits just for the car driving towards the ramp but when it hits there it'd be a big cgi thing it'd be probably a big drone overhead shot with kind of uh, you could just see all the pixels from the digital footage You'd have a, a, probably a real car land in the explosion because, in fairness to the Back to the Future, or not Back to the Future, the uh, the Fast and the Furious lads, they do a lot of practical stuff in there, but it's kind of it's a real practical stunt, but it's edited into a CGI background or something like that. There's a lot of kind of mixing up with that going on, and no such thing as gravity in those movies. 
we'd have that explosion and then you'd have another shot of a totally safe actor probably swinging on a green screen towards the camera getting out of the way of the explosion and all this kind of shit there'd be so much mechanics drawn into it to make it an ultimate set piece whereas back in like 1993 it would just be okay uh you have to get out of the way of this car or you're dead and we're going to film it from several angles and that's it and to them it's like okay we got that stunt out of the way now we're going to move on to the big stunts whereas a throwaway stunt back then is a fucking absolute spectacle nowadays and people are tricking themselves into thinking that they're really entertained by it when they're just seeing all this stuff coming together and something that doesn't really look that real when you look at it back then like i've reevaluated so many old action movies and that's why i'm saying i want to get back into watching these because the stuff that actually happens in them is incredible it's just amazing some of the fucking stunts and some of the choreography the amount of pyrotechnics that go into these old movies too because it's actually cheaper as well i think the main thing is they can't get permits and a lot of these action movies like if you look at the avengers stuff they're shooting a lot of this in new york on busy streets so they can't they can't do a fucking diehard tree and fucking blow up a, a part of a street which is amazing looking but if they're gonna if you're gonna have spider-man or whatever else flying around new york and buildings and shit blowing up and crumbling behind them they're gonna have to do all that with cgi but when they're out in the fucking desert when they're doing the likes of tour that should be riddled with fucking small towns that they built that they can blow to shit because it's just a big ball of fire which they can just easily do and it looks amazing on camera but instead they opt for cgi so they can do it over and over and tweak it and then there's always going to be problems and like I, I, this is this is branched off now with me just complaining about CGI, which wasn't the, the intention. I just wanted to talk about how action movies were just of a much higher standard back then, even if they were just cheap, shitty fucking ones. So I would love to see action movies kind of get to that level again. And this this does segue into what I was going. Well, see, this is the thing. I, I have about a thousand things I always want to talk about when I fucking sit down and record this, and I I find myself trailing off. Like like I think I mentioned before, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly would fucking start a joke and then he'd trail off on three different strands and at the end of it go oh by the way i was talking about this and then finish his initial point which i mean at first was probably legitimate but i think he kind of wrote that into his act then because he, he got known for it but i kind of feel myself doing the same here because i'm starting three different topics and i feel like i don't fin- haven't finished the last one but um my main thing is well, i do know the topic i want to get onto so i can i can comfortably finish this about action movies but i just think action movies in general the, the fight scenes in particular are a big one now hong kong action fight scenes were another level and i know movie a lot of american movies try to copy that and you see well here's the here's the problem since the ufc and mma has become so big it has really killed a lot of fun action movies and I mean that in the sense of when people look at a movie now, if they're not, well, first of all, if it's not shaky cam, they don't seem to believe what they're seeing, which annoys the bollocks out of me. I think if you just let the camera sit there still, it's so much more fucking effective. But when you have movies that come out now, they have shaky cam, they have heavy editing, all that kind of stuff. But the fighting is really gritty, brutal, fast, very MMA style a lot of the time where it's a lot of kind of people huddle up together in a clinch throwing punches knees all this kind of shit it's, it looks real it's really gritty it suits those Bourne movies and Bond movies and all that shit really well and I do love seeing it I, th- I think it makes for some really gritty good mean action movies but I just looking at Bloodsport again the other day you will never in a million years see a movie like that now if a movie like that came out now people would laugh their holes off at it they go that's so stupid he's doing all this wishy-washy moving his hands around 
high kick stuff that no one would do if this was real life he'd get him on the ground blah 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 all these armchair fucking experts they'd just be referencing how MMA works because MMA effectively told the world here's the stuff you saw in movies here it is against this stuff the stuff you saw in the movies cannot compete against this stuff and it basically doesn't really work in real life so the only really realistic good fighting you're going to see is this stuff leave all the movie stuff behind and okay in real life i understand that but in movies there's just it lacks so much charm i'd love to see movies now where there's just some ridiculous kung fu fight scenes like the fucking hong kong movies like the stuff in that they're unbelievable fight scenes in the sense that no people would really fight like that but the actual stunt work and choreography and the damage that they went through to achieve all this stuff is amazing and i i think people would laugh it off now because it's not quick gritty in your face huddled up not really showing how to fight fight scenes it kills the magic i think and with all these movies becoming available again now john woo was not necessarily martial arts but he did have a lot of like some of the best action movies i have ever seen a lot of his stuff is now coming out from 88 films and i think if you've listened to any of the lazy dads episodes you've heard joe going on about the releases for the jackie chan stuff because that stuff I remember thinking years ago, I would love a big definitive box set of all the Jackie Chan stuff in Cantonese or in Chinese. And with all the extras and all of it uncut and in HD. And I thought it would probably never happen. I'd say they'd only release the likes of Rush Hour and things like that. Whatever was popular with the American audiences. But these lads at 88 Films and some of I think Eureka have done some as well. They've been very tastefully restoring all of his old movies with several editions on the disc which is like what i mentioned with uh with no no retreat no surrender these are giving you several versions of uh, jackie chan's movies the american versions international versions and the the hong kong versions all of these in hd full of extras like this is the dream and just watching i watched the protector with joe there before christmas and i just got a nostalgic feeling just thinking like this is what i fucking loved watching when i was younger i, I, I now have a chance to see all these movies in the best possible way and I, I feel like i've neglected them over the years because i think this is just co- going back to kind of film critic shite as well but even when you start college i i always notice this sometimes with fucking people who are into movies and sometimes with, with tutors and stuff like that they turn their nose up at genre movies and stuff like action movies and horror they they only want you to go for hard drama and you see you see college short movies they're always either suicide or a fucking quirky comedy or whatever the fuck action movies are just they're always sidelined they, they don't get nearly enough respect and i've gone on about stunt oscars which i can't believe i forgot to mention last week um but yeah they need a stunt category for oscars uh and i think they need to do like a hundred years worth of fucking honorary oscars for all the fucking stunts that have already been achieved and especially now that it's all wireworks shite um Although there there is some amazing stuff now, I can't uh, I can't deny that. But no CGI. I mean, I don't mean wire work. Well, I suppose like wire work can be a bit annoying, but I mean wire work at least they're actually fucking doing something. CGI is what I mean in terms of that's all it seems to be now. But the reason I say this is that like when you're when you're in college, I feel like part of me has sidelined those movies. Now I've been watching action over the last decade still ever since college, but I feel like I was more critical on certain aspects of them that weren't what I should have been critical on. So getting to rewatch all the action movies that probably if I watched in the last few years I probably would have been like, ah, didn't really do much for me. But 
watching them again now just with the mindset of just how well made they are how well they're achieved and just how enjoyable they are I've just been thrilled with every action film I've put on the last while and I'm so looking forward to get to fucking watch all those Jackie Chan movies and and more John Woo stuff but it's just I, I really really wish there was some definitive action movies to come out now that could match up to it obviously the Raid movies and anything Gareth Evans does like he actually released a, a trailer for Gangs of London his new series and I wasn't sure what he was going to do with it to be honest because I know he did Apostle which was a horror movie he did direct for Netflix which I thought was really good and there's some action scenes in it and you can really see his mark on them but a lot of the movie was more of a horror it was more of a slow burn brooding Silent Hill Resident Evil 4 kind of atmosphere and I wasn't sure what he was going to do in terms of action so the fact he hasn't been working on a raid film, he's working on Gangs of London, I thought, ooh, I don't know. Is this going to be set Peaky Blinders times? Is it modern times? Is it going to just be tough, cockney, fucking arsehole characters? Like, what is it going to be? And from the trailer, it looks like a combination of both. It looks like a gritty British gangster movie, but they fight like they're in the raid. And that, it looks fucking incredible. And the work he puts in, especially with previous, previous action, um, which is where he pretty much shoots exactly what he wants to do they do it in like a room full of pads and everything and they get an idea of where the camera's gonna go and how the actual fight scene will play out they perfectly choreograph it so by the time they're actually doing it in the real sets it's just like another day of fucking arsing around with the lads and it comes out with some of the most incredible action scenes you'll ever see so there are there are people out there who are still keeping these type of action movies alive it's just that the fact that people are so pleased with the likes of fast and furious and the norm of these very kind of shitty action movies that are coming out it's saddening and i would implore people to go back and revisit the old stuff and i know see this is the thing like i mentioned before about the the mma and how people can't look at silly action scenes or like the way they work out and in terms of the like because i'm kind of rambling here but when you look at action movies now like i said the fight scenes are more gritty and very handheld kind of cameras i'd like people to just start re-watching these old movies and seeing just the technique and how amazing all the fight scenes are. Yeah, they may not be exactly realistic, but who gives a bollocks? You're there to be entertained. You're not there to go, okay, I'm judging this movie based on how 100% accurate to real martial arts it is. That's not what the movie is. The movie's about a fucking cop whose friend gets killed and he's going to get revenge. That's the plot. All you need to see is incredible choreography and fight scenes and fun. That's the goal. So... And I've pretty much described the fucking 50 movies all at once there. But that's that's what I mean. Th- this is what you're in for. So I, I think that people have co- become complacent with really uninspired action scenes. It's just rare you see it in that good now. And actually, well, I want to give a mention. Now, I've talked about S. Craig Zahler before. And I said, along with the Safdie brothers, I think he is the most exciting director working today. He's had three movies out. All three have been amongst my favourite. They're all going to be in this top 100, by the way. But his second movie, Brawl in Cell Block 99, with Vince Vaughn. I remember it, it took me a couple of seconds to actually adjust to it. Because when you think of, you think of just a fucking prison fight movie, you're expecting, like I said, lots of handheld, crazy, up-close, gritty fucking fight scenes. Like, like the fight scene in The Raid 2. There's a big prison fight scene in that. And... I think you'd nearly expect, maybe not that level, but you'd expect the same atmosphere. In this, the whole film, I don't even remember any fucking handheld shots. I think there's maybe one or two at the start of him walking around. But the majority of the movie is these really 
wide flat shots that don't break. They could be like full 15, 20 second shot of him in a fight scene. And it's just really technical boxing style, blocking, punching. People would look at it and think, oh, this is really slow and sluggish. And that's actually, I want to mention something about Atomic Blonde as well. Because I unfairly critiqued that movie at one point, and I'll, I'll explain that in a sec. But when you're looking at these fight scenes, and it, it comes down to the editing too, when you look at these fight scenes in Final Seven Ninety Nine, they're really slow, sluggish, but they're very real. Like actual fight scenes probably go like this. If they're, I mean, you know, it's a bit theatrical, of course, because it's two people who know how to fight. It's not just two scumbags fighting in the street the way a lot of these movies tend to look. It's really calculated, really properly done, and it just fucking looks so fucking good, and it's so brutal and visceral, and you really feel every punch, and I just really admire that film in every way, and that's a rare film from nowadays that does that. But what I was saying about Atomic Blonde is when that came out, the first trailer showed like a minute and a half of a fight scene, and the actual whole scene is like a six minute fake long take kind of like 1917 where there's hidden edits throughout and some of them are noticeable actually most of them but it doesn't take you out of the movie it even though i noticed the editing i think anyone who wouldn't really be savvy to the fact that it's a fake long take would just be just as enthralled and it's a really good really gritty fighting like the, the movie itself is effectively just female john wick that's that's kind of what they were going for and it's i want to say david leach but it's one of the the genre jean fucking hell i sound very french um, one of the John Wick stunt coordinators because uh, pretty much the whole crowd behind John Wick is all stunt people so that's why all the fight scenes and action is so good in those movies um, but with this I remember looking at it and thinking it looks really sluggish and choreographed or something like that it just didn't look proper to me for a second I thought and a friend of mine actually pointed out she's like look look at it again like it's it's slow and sluggish because they're getting tired it's one take and I was like yeah that's actually a good point and when I watched it again it just seemed a thousand times more realistic. See, I'm so used to the quick editing and the quick fight scenes of everything being planned out in advance and it looks like they know where they're going to hit. But this just looks really messy. Like, they're almost making it up on the spot, but obviously they're not. And it just, it's sluggish, real and slow. And it, that's exactly how a fucking fight would look. And I think we've tuned ourselves to thinking that they're always going to be fast-paced, blocking, really stylish, everybody is an Avenger kind of fight scenes. But they're not and that's what another film i admire there for its action scenes but again that that film is more of a spy movie than it is an action movie for most of it so it's kind of it's hard one to consider but what i was mentioning before about kind of giving a pass to stuff i found myself doing this and it was only because i watched i rushed a really fucking good really bleak movie a few years ago with al pacino and gene hackman and it was called scarecrow and it kind of it starts as like a kind of a buddy comedy in a sense uh with a bit of drama thrown in but it, it it keeps going into bleaker and bleaker places and it's just it's a it's a rough watch but it's really really well worth watching i said really a lot today um and i said worth there instead of worth but would definitely recommend it and i think the premium collection from hmv have released it so if you can get that online it's well worth doing and i remember watching it and there's a couple of scenes in it now it's, it's it came out in 73 or 72 73 i think and there's several scenes in that movie that i was watching going that is fucking incredible and it's just a really simple shot of them driving down the road where it's you can see the two of them sitting in the front of the car talking and the camera slowly zooms out as they're genuinely driving and they pull into a spot and it was pretty much just a camera on the back of a car in front of them recording them talking 
really simple at the time they were just like well we need a shot of you driving and talking so we'll just do it at once again like i talked about the action movies earlier it's like okay we're going to drive that car you have to get out of the way it's really just if this is what we need to do this is how we have to do the scene whereas nowadays that would be a really talked about amazing scene in a movie and i think the standard of what's done in movies has actually dropped so much that things that were done just as the norm back in the day just as we need to get this shot is now standing out as absolutely incredible cinema now don't get me wrong it is the stuff they do is technically fantastic but it was just so normal back then that it no one really talked about it and when it happens nowadays it's hugely talked about because what ha- the way movies are shot nowadays is really just dull a lot of the time and uh, now this is this is just going this is very broad what i'm saying because there are of course incredible looking movies incredibly well-made movies that come out every year but this is just something i picked up on that i'm giving a free pass to movies for doing things that they should be doing in the first place when they're going to do a scene they should just shoot it like that anyway they should shoot it creativity cre- creatively fucking hell um they should just shoot it creatively and they should always just be making things look the best but it, a lot of movies are just so let's let's do it get it out of the way but with no real technique that it just comes off really dull and actually when i say free pass as well i don't mean that i'm just saying the other movie's good because it does this what i'm saying is that the movie's doing stuff that i would consider game changing as i'm watching it but when i think about it it's been going on for since the start of cinema so i feel there's movies i've looked back on going these aren't actually all that good and when i'm watching here is stuff that i've seen before but at the time i'm thinking this is amazing because it's just so uncommon now for these techniques to be used in movies and it's a shame because i think movies should really look i mean obviously you want to progress you want movies to to do something new and take a step forward and that actually will neatly move me into uh the next thing i want to talk about because as directors and as actors you want to you want to try new things you want to move on and i want movies to do the same but i think some stuff technique wise from back in the day will always just look the best and always the the results will always be look better and i think they need to pay more attention to that and think okay there's a reason people liked this so much we need to just start making movies to this standard again and oh i don't know i've it's a tough thing to talk about because it's it's such minute little details that i've picked up on that for anyone else would think you're an absolute lunatic you should be locked up because you're talking shite but for me it's just it's stuff that it doesn't make or break the movie but it, it makes such a difference and to see it being so rarely implemented now and being celebrated for stuff that was the norm i just find kind of annoying but I, i'm gonna move on because i i've i'm getting a headache <laughs> i tend to get a headache when i'm just uh thinking or saying something that I, I i don't know how to properly explain that this is one of those situations where if i had a guest i could let them shine on about something while i think deep about what i'm actually trying to say my point is that i think movies were made better before i know fucking oh, it's a boomer thing to say or whatever these fucking cons say nowadays but you know what i mean but the way this actually connects to my next thing is i'm going to talk about now i've been saying this director's name wrong the whole time uh but there's a director called Joe... He says Joe Begus. That's how he says his name. I always call him Joe Begos. Like Egos from fucking... Uh, what's it called? Stranger Things. And I... I, I Be- Begos just sounds how I would say it. So I'm just going to say it that way. 
and uh, he can feel free to correct me but um, he I've been talking about him before how he's, he's been very big in the independent horror scene because he really has creative ideas now his his influences are very 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 on the on the sleeve because his first movie almost human is pretty much a thing rip off but it's really solid it's fun it's well made it's very low budget and you can really see this as a creative person doing what they can with the budget his movie after that i haven't watched but i know is effectively a low budget version of scanners in a way he went for a kind of cronenberg uh psycho mental horror kind of thing uh well not psycho well you know what I mean? psycho as in the ah fucking hell you know what i'm on about uh cronenberg-esque style psychological mad kind of shit and then his third movie which is i'm going to talk about his third and fourth movie so his third movie was bliss and i saw that at the hearthon last year and i thought it was fucking fantastic it, it was a weird one it took a, a few days to really hit with me because obviously because i was drinking at the festival so you kind of some of these movies kind of would be very enjoyable at the time and then you think back and go actually they weren't that good whereas this i was watching i was going yeah i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed it and then there too later i was kept thinking about it and i was like so much about that movie i really fucking liked and the reason i bring it up is because he initially said when he did both almost human and oh sorry i didn't even mention the the other movie that was kind of like scanners uh it's called the mind's eye and when he did those movies he shot them digitally he shot them very cheap but he said he really wanted to push himself for bliss so what he did was he shot it on 16 millimeter film and the difference is just colossal now i'm not going to get into another big fucking film versus digital thing but i am going to mention it because it does tie into the next movie but bliss was the movie that i mentioned on monday or last week about that or that i was going to buy this week so i have now got the limited edition there's like only a thousand of them made special edition of bliss it comes with an amazing slip cover and loads of fucking extras and it's just a savage special edition it's from eureka as well and they've got a really interesting line of stuff now they did monkey shines and uh what's it called uh why can't i think of the name i love this film night of the creeps and uh the dark half and they do these really good special editions of movies that are coming out now usually horror so it's nice to see that being included amongst them but this has a very old school it really looks like the 90s really just scruffy dingy la vampire movie and like there's a lot of kind of lost boys and near dark and a lot of these kind of influences on this movie and like i said he wears the influences on his sleeve and I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm glad to have that. But his whole thing was he wanted to push himself. So he went for 16mm. And it did him huge favours. Because that's probably his biggest movie now. Until the next one I want to talk about. Which is the only new movie that I've watched uh, in the last week. And I actually don't know when. It, I think it's not out here until March or April. So I'll give it another mention around then. But it's available on Amazon Prime in the US. So if you have a VPN, you can access that and rent it. I think it was €7 or $7. But it's a movie called VFW. Now, I fucking... I I made a note of this fucking... What that stands for. I'm about to forget already. Um, So, because... I was trying to think, was that the name of the place that they're going to be in? Or what it actually stands for? But what it stands for is the Veterans of Foreign Wars. And this is a bar in i can't remember they actually say where it is it's kind of in a near future america small town place and it's this bar called the vfw and all these or i'm assuming they're nam veterans it's set kind of in the future but the only war i can think of that it makes sense with would be 
probably Nam for the ages of these characters. So Nam veterans who they live in or they work in this bar. The main guy who owns the bar is Stephen Lang. And he plays a character called Fred. And his best mates are Fred the Hammer Williamson who plays Abe Hawkins. Although no, that kind of sounded like I was going to say the names wrong. So let me just say this. The cast of the movie includes Stephen Lang, William Sadler, Fred Williamson, Martin Cove, David Patrick Kelly, George Went, Tom Williamson, which is actually Fred Williamson's son, and you have Dora Madison, who was in Bliss as well. Everyone else is kind of just disposable, I guess. Uh, the main bad guy is played by a guy called Travis Hammer, but he's very hammy in it. And you have uh, Sierra McCormick, who plays another character called Lizard. But the general plot of the movie is, is that Fred owns this bar with his mates... Walter, Abe, Lou, Doug, Thomas, and there's a new war. Well, new war, that's the way I say it, but a, a veteran of a recent war who arrives there to drink as well. And they're all hanging out in the bar, and that's that guy's name is Thomas, and that's, oh no, is uh, Sean. I'm really describing this badly, I think, but the, the main plot of the movie is you have all these um, Vietnam veterans, I'm going to say Vietnam, who... Are sitting in this bar relaxing and across from this bar which is the veterans bar across from there across the street is an abandoned movie theater and that's inhabited by a bunch of crazy drug infested lunatic punks and they're they're led by travis hammer who plays boz and his second in command is gutter played by dora madison and their whole idea is they have this drug which is called if I can remember the fucking name of it now. Oh yeah, yeah. Hype is what it's called. So they are all addicted to this drug. It turns you into a fucking crazed zombie-like fucking lunatic. It's basically like ultra meth, if you want to put it that way. And this leader of this gang who's over there basically convinced this girl to kill herself in order to get her drugs. And that girl's sister is Lizard. And she decides, you know what, fuck these lads. I'm going to rob their whole stash of hype and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Which then causes a big chase and ends up with her running across the street into the veterans bar. Which means that they're all trapped in there with this girl with a whole host of lunatic mutant level punk psychopaths all trying to get in and kill them. So you can think it's kind of like a mix of Green Room with Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, That's actually, it's very John Carpenter heavy in terms of its reference and i mean the whole music like the, the synthy score to it the look of the movie the opening credits in particular they're almost ripped directly from uh, uh prince of darkness which kind of has a similar i mean john carpenter likes to have people trapped in a certain place with loads of fuckers trying to get them well, prince of darkness kind of had a very similar thing and the way the soundtrack or the the credits work in this is you have certain scenes happening and then you have a few names appear and it's like the credits are drawn out over maybe five or six minutes or could be longer i remember prince of darkness is about 10 minutes and i was just like this is still fucking going like you'd, you'd have a full two minutes in and then suddenly a name of a character will appear like fucking hell but it does the same kind of thing so it, it wears the john carpenter influence on its sleeve but the general plot of it is bunch of tough grizzled take no shit vietnam vets against a lot of crazed drug addled psychopathic punks and it is full of fucking axes splashing through heads people being blown away by shotguns lots of decapitations people's i, I don't even want to say half the shit because I, I don't want to ruin them but i'm going to say that 
the basic shit. So people are going to expect people being shot. They're going to expect people being fucking stabbed and beheaded. But some of the stuff in this you don't expect. And it is fucking class. So this is a, a strange one. Because there was a fe- about 15 minutes or so. I was quite unsure of it. Now don't get me wrong. This movie has its problems. Big time. But the thing that bothered me the most was. I can always tell straight away when something is fake. In terms of being shot on film i can always tell when it's something with a fake filter of grit over it or grain and a couple of minutes into this i was thinking this looks really strange i assumed when he did bliss and 16 mil he was just going to stick to doing 16 mil because it just captured it had such an atmosphere to it and it looks so much better but i was looking at this going this looks a bit off i was like is he doing a is he like shooting this digitally and he's adding a grain and about 15 minutes has gone by where I was thinking he must be doing that. So eventually I just accepted that he was doing that. And it turns out I was right. He, he shot it on a red camera and did a lot of digital fuckery to make it look like it was shot on film. There's times where it actually looks okay and there's times where it, it actually hurts the movie. Because a lot of this takes place in the bar when the power goes out. And it's lit only by neon red and neon purple. And it's a nice stylistic idea but... There's times where you literally just cannot see what the fuck is going on because you have the grain on top of that. Whereas an actual film camera would let in enough light that you'd get it. Even on gritty 16mm, you would still see a lot better what's going on. So there's times where I was looking at it going, this is kind of a pain in the arse how it looks. And it's very reliant for a good chunk of the movie. It's reliant on those neon lights. So some of the actual action scenes are pretty difficult to make out what's going on. And that's, that's the biggest weakness for me. But everything else in it, the, uh, nothing is CGI it's all really well done practical effects some of them are nasty looking practical effects too and it's fucking really well done there's clearly loads of passion here and I mean a lot of people are saying it's the John Carpenter movie that you never got to see kind of thing it's like I think that's half fair it's very much in his ballpark it definitely feels like it's in the 80s even though it's got this kind of weird sort of future sort of isn't the future Nam veteran feel to it but it's I think there's a, enough charm in it and there's enough fun. That was the main thing. It was a lot of fun. Really gory, mad, brutal fun. I mean, the dialogue... The dialogue between all the lads, the, the veterans, is really good. Everyone else is shit. All the punks have fucking terrible dialogue. And the kind of the younger actors. Even Sarah McCormick, she's not great in it. Tom Williamson does his best, but I mean... You're always going to pale in comparison when your dad's friend, the Hammer Williamson. He's just going to look so much fucking more boss than you'll ever look. But... I think they're the kind of weakest aspects of it but the dialogue between all the lads is just really natural really funny you kind of already like all of them because they're all familiar faces that's the main thing we already like all these guys so you immediately want to see them win but it's just it's, it's, I think it's a clean 90 minutes of really brutal fun over the top action with characters you like and you give a fuck about and I think it's just a fine way to spend 90 minutes of your time now, I do wish I saw it in the cinema. See, getting to watch it on the TV was nice. I mean, it's a big TV, but I think in the cinema, I'd, first of all, I'd make out a lot of the stuff a bit better, but it just it, it feels like something I'd love to see at midnight or even just a late showing, probably in a lighthouse or something, with a load of cans and a full crowd. I think that would be fucking amazing. And I really hope they do because there's a, a, enough buzz around this movie and there's enough, well, if you're into genre cinema, there's enough big recognisable names that it'll get you on board. And hopefully get cinemas on board. At least the the independent cinemas here. That I'd happily see it again in the cinema. I think it would make for a fucking great night. But I've seen it at home. As much as I enjoyed it. I think it, it 
softened the experience somewhat. Not a lot now, because like I said, I still enjoyed it, but it, I think I probably would have made out a lot of the stuff a lot better if it was in the cinema. Um, but yeah, this is this is just a really fun way to spend ninety minutes. I think I've said that three times now. Uh, I'd uh, I wouldn't say I'm running out of things to say, but when I when I'm kind of forgetting what my next point is, I tend to repeat the last point, and I don't know why I do that. But you have to be honest in this world. You have to be able to admit when you're doing things weirdly. And that's one of them. But this film, lots of fun. Highly recommended. And in terms of like action, like some of the stuff... I mean, actually, yeah, that was another problem I had. Because, I mean, when you look at stuff that's shot on film, you have to be a lot more meticulous as well about what you're going to do to make sure you get it right. Because it can run out. It's not just a memory card. You can fucking buy another one and stick it in. You can run out of film. So you have to be a lot more creative and careful what you're going to do. With this, because it shot digitally, I think it gave them a lot more room for, uh, I suppose, improvising in what they were going to do. And I think, in a way, that hurt it. Because some of the action scenes are a bit ropey in terms of how they're strung together. Uh, and through the editing as well. It's very hyper-edited. But again, I still had a lot of fun with it. I think it's far from perfect. I If I was to compare all those movies, this would probably be the most fun. I think Bliss is his best movie, for sure. But... Uh, yeah, see this on a big screen if you can. If you can't, or if you can't wait, then you can get it on Amazon Prime US. It'll probably pop up maybe on Netflix or Prime over here at some stage. Uh, fingers crossed anyway, because I, I do want more people to see this, because I want this guy to start making more movies, because I think he's got so much heart and passion and a love for genre cinema. And I'd, I'd love to see him do something that's totally original, though, like really stamp his own unique quality to it because i mean all those movies they do have the unique quality of they're all practical and they're all really violent and they're a lot of fun but the influences are so heavily on the sleeve that you're watching it going okay there's lost boys there's fucking assault of recent 13 there's the thing and you're just able to kind of pick out exactly where he's taken his influence from it'd be nice to see him just do something that's completely unique to him but yeah i've a lot of respect for the guy and i'm, I'm very very eager to see what he comes out with next so VFW one I'd highly recommend if you can get your hands on it and I think it's actually it has a cinema release in the US at the moment it was simultaneously put on on demand and in cinemas over there on Friday so for the 19 or so American listeners that I have try see that in the cinema if you can although I know that's a fucking crazy thing about America too is people are like oh yeah it's not showing in my city I have to drive two hours out of town to fucking see something I'm like that's mad <laughs> for me it's just like oh yeah it's down the road nearly there's so many cinemas in town and it's rare that something's not going to be showing in one that but it will be showing on the other side of the country unless it's an old film that they're showing or it's like a, a particular premiere but i just find that crazy how uh well then again we're also a fucking nipple-sized fucking country compared to america so it uh it makes a lot of sense that they have much more distance to cover but yeah vfw and bliss highly recommend bliss and if you can get that special edition before it goes out um sells out then i'd recommend doing so i know the ifi and tower records have copies of it uh but amazon i think are selling it for 12 quid or something like that so if you can get it there do it i think you'll be in for a treat when watching it and yeah i think I, i'm actually how long am i going now i didn't even fucking think about that an hour 18 20 haven't about an hour 20 minutes that's actually not too bad i, th- I already thought i'd be rambling for longer than this uh and i'm nearly through all the stuff i wanted to actually talk about actually i am uh, oh well yeah there's something that I do want to bring up I'll tell you what I'm going to review the the other movies that I saw throughout the week brief kind of rundown because I, I prefer kind of getting a bit more in depth like I did there with VFW even though it was quite poor 
my review that is uh, I prefer to get in depth with newer stuff when I'm talking about older stuff I, can, I, I prefer to just give a flavour of it and then have you see it whenever you can although I would recommend seeing stuff soon but when it comes to new stuff if I'm going to talk about it I want to give people a, a good breakdown of it so that they'll see it while it's fresh let's say uh, which is stupid but actually VFW is a good example of what I want to talk about next anyway but I'm going to go through the review for these movies I'm going to be quick with, with them so the first one I watched was one that I'd been meaning to see for a long time which is a lot of movies but to be honest I find myself doing this a lot when I'm talking about movies with people or I'm talking about in, in any film group someone puts up a poster for a movie I haven't watched yet I'm, I almost find it in myself to have to it's like a, not even prove myself but just to be like yes I'm aware of this movie I need to see it but there's so many fucking movies that I've heard of that I've not watched and that's the thing it surprises some people because there's some big movies and people would be like oh you haven't seen that I thought you fucking watch movies and I'm like I do I watch fucking films all the time but I just watch so many and I'm trying to see all the best ones because my tolerance for watching stuff that could be shite has gotten lower I'm less inclined to, to pick something if I don't feel I'm in the mood for it or I feel like it's probably going to be shit I'll still watch it but I'm likely going to go for something that I know I, I'll probably enjoy and I mean I could be surprised either way I could put on stuff that I thought would be deadly and ended up being shite and I put on stuff that I'm like ah this is probably a bit of shite and then it ends up being class so it's kind of an unfair system I have but th- there's so many movies out there that I just don't get around to and then I, I hear about movies I look at a director and I go I must watch all them movies and then I never do so I'm trying to get through all them now but when I'm thinking about them I'm always saying to myself oh I've been meaning to see this for years of course I have pretty much everything I fucking watch I've been meaning to see for a long time so it, it feels redundant to say but I am probably going to say it fucking 20 more times because that's how I fucking do things here seemingly uh, but this one is one by Bobcat Goldwaith uh, Gold, Goldthwaite I always find his name weird to say but if you've ever seen the Police Academy movies you'd know this cunt immediately he's the most obnoxious annoying fucking character ever and I think a lot of people thought that's what he was like for real but he's not he's actually quite soft spoken and friendly looking but he has made two movies that are extremely dark comedies that I loved uh, the first one I watched was God Bless America and it's just really fun fucking crazy movie about a guy who's terminally ill but he's kind of sick of the world and how mean and shitty people are it's like reality TV and these uh, sweet 16 where like the teenagers are horrible to their parents and annoying neighbours and American Idol all these just people who are fucking cunts and he decides you know what I'm going to die anyway I may as well go on a big killing spree and take all these cunts with me and that's the general plot of it and he has this kind of psychotic teenage girl he meets who's kind of just has an interest in death and she's like here I'll go with you and we'll both kill all these people so it's a lot of fun and it's really dark and I really liked it and then I saw his previous movie after that which I mean it stars the late Robin Williams who is just when he's whether he's doing drama or whether he's doing comedy he's just fucking top form but with this one he's doing a, a mix of both but it's not your typical Robin Williams hyper animated comedy it's really slow subtle and kind of serious comedy from him but the movie itself is f- very fucking dark his son who's uh he's actually played by the kid from spy kids uh he's a real cunt in this he's just one of the most unbearable obnoxious assholes everyone hates him and this isn't actually a spoiler well nah, i suppose it could be it is the plot of the movie but i won't say what happens but basically his son accidentally dies now that's that's not a spoiler like i said that's the plot of the movie i'm just not gonna say how and 
what he decides to do is because it'd be just so embarrassing for his son he decides well i'm going to just write a fake suicide note and he's a he's actually a writer i should say sorry and he decides to write this really eloquent lovely suicide note that kind of talks about how much he loved the world and how misunderstood he felt and all this kind of stuff and he leaves at that so he goes okay my son is going to have a proper people will think highly of him when he died but it all i'll say is it blows out of control in terms of the popularity and what happens from it i don't i'm trying to be as vague as possible because this movie is just fantastic it's so unpredictable and dark and just there's no one out there who could have made that movie so when i saw both of those movies i thought okay this guy is definitely one to watch he's fucking excellent uh and i went through his back catalogue and he did a, a movie in the early 90s called shakes the clown which i haven't watched but i have a feeling it's going to be fucked up as well and then he did this one sleeping dogs lie which i think in america is called sleeping dogs and it was originally called stay which i don't think stay is a good title for it uh and there was also a movie called stay around the same time with ryan gosling and mcgregor i think it was or ewan and uh, that was actually pretty good but it probably would have mixed people up and they're, they're two very different movies but this one is uh, about this girl who while she was in college at age 18 one night decided i'm gonna suck off my dog and that's what she did and it's about 10 years later or so and she's now hanging out with her boyfriend and they're gonna potentially get married and he's questioning her about her craziest experiences in life and again i want to be kind of vague about this but it's her deciding whether or not she's going to tell him and the fallout that could come with it and that's the best way i'm going to put it because i don't want to i don't want to ruin anything now i can't exactly say that i've spoiled anything there but what i do think would have been more effective because the movie opens with her do you don't actually see anything (laughs) for anyone who might be like i don't want to watch this movie it's just implied and it's just about her stupid things she did when she was younger but as i was watching it i was thinking to myself this movie would be so much more effective if we didn't know about that if we didn't know that's what she did if the whole time you're thinking oh she must have done something fucked up in college but what could it be and then you find out holy shit she did that i think that would have been a lot stronger but with because the movie opens with it i don't mind actually saying it but the actual movie it's it's strange because a movie with that kind of plot you're expecting okay this is going to be a gross out comedy but it's actually kind of a really I suppose bittersweet kind of nice romance movie just with this weird cloud hanging over his head um i have to say though it's one of the ugliest fucking movies i've ever seen and i mean that in terms of the look because the movie's shot on what looks like mini dv like it looks terrible uh like it, it looks exactly like a college short film but with good actors and stuff like that but it just feels really cheap and it's surprising because he, he shot shakes the clown really well and obviously his other movies are shot well it just seems like he might have done, and i've come to this on my conclusion myself i think he pitched this idea to some studios probably to shoot it on 35 mil or high-end digital cameras and they said are you fucking joking me and then they said no so i imagine this was done very very independently and very low budget so i i took that on board immediately it did take a couple of minutes to adjust it because i was looking at it going wow this looks like a fucking like a porn parody of an actual film but no it's actually it's, it's an interesting film i think it doesn't quite hit the mark on a lot of stuff and it does kind of cop out in certain uh, plot elements but 
I think it's a really good idea and the fact it's played quite seriously despite there being a lot of comedy and it actually worked in its favour so it's weird it's, it's like a really kind of nice romantic movie but with a fucking weird situation involved in it but it's one I can recommend I saw it on Amazon Prime uh, as soon as I saw it coming, I was like oh fucking hell I've been meaning to see this for years so I'm going to watch it and there I go I said it again I said that fucking meaning to see this for years shit again uh, so let's let's do more so yeah that's one I'd recommend uh if you want something that's just a bit different but i think that's a problem with it as well when you kind of hear the whole dog blowjob plot idea people are expecting something a lot more extreme and fucked up but it's not it's uh it's very it's just very heavily implied um next film i watched is there's a kind of an interesting history behind this and it's typical of uh america as well how they market shit but the movie's called ikari xb1 now that's a Czech or Czechoslovakian title because it's a Czechoslovakian movie or Czech movie whatever fucking way you want to put it but I think it actually stands for Icarus XB1 and it's a sci-fi space movie that I am certain absolutely certain that Tarkovsky that Stanley Kubrick and the creators behind Star Trek all watched because this movie has everything that they have injected into the sci-fi world so if you look at now i haven't actually seen solaris but i've seen chunks of the movie to the point where i kind of have an idea of the very existential and the ideas that they're going for in it and then 2001 a space odyssey was groundbreaking for everything they did in terms of special effects and cinematography and then star trek in terms of the whole crew dynamic and everyone involved in that this and I suppose some of the special effects as well and the kind of explore, exploration ideas all of that was borrowed from this movie I can guarantee it because this movie came out like three years before Star Trek four I want to say four five years before 2001 Space Odyssey and I think Solaris was that 72 I could be wrong but uh, either way this came out before all of those and it takes place in 2163 and the ship embarks, embarks on a journey across the universe to try find some life on a planet. They picked up signals of life on this planet called Alpha Century um, or Cherry. I don't know, but it's Century but with a, an I at the end of it. And they think that they, they could probably find more life forms and they're they're interested to explore the world and or explore space and see if they can find life out there typical sci-fi space plot but this one it's really strange because the first like half an hour took a bit of getting used to it. i was like i'm not obviously it's in check as well and it looks fucking incredible the cinematography is fantastic in it and the atmosphere it just it has such a an old school sci-fi feel to it but it really feels like groundbreaking in terms of what they did because when you think of old sci-fi you think of goofy robots which this does have um like the jetsons or some shit like that but this is actually really serious um but i think for the first half an hour you're kind of getting used to the people and who's who it does have a bit of non-linear sort of narrative going on um then the middle part is really interesting it's this kind of odd see I, I, this is another thing i'm trying not to ruin these movies this is one thing i want to do with the podcast as well as if i'm going to do any specialist episodes if i decide in this episode we're talking about fucking robocop there's going to be spoilers. I'm going to do a full episode that's going to be like dedicated to a movie or a series of movies. But if I'm just reviewing something, I'm going to try give you a taste of the movie without actually revealing anything. But 
I find myself as I'm reviewing the movie I might be revealing too much so I have to try curb that when I'm doing it but the general plot of this is that they're trying to find life on this planet and they find an abandoned satellite and from that things start going uh, a bit weird and that's all I want to say but like for, for the first half an hour it was really interesting middle half an hour is a, a lot slower it's not as interesting but the last half an hour then is really good although I wasn't too enamoured with uh, how it ended uh, a lot of people seem to love it but the, just everything about it atmosphere wise and the look and the sound of the movie is really good too it's just a, it, really inventive and now there's so much charm to this movie because the stuff you can tell is miniatures there's stuff there's parts where the ship's flying and you can really see the strings that it's kind of sliding down and all that actually just made it all the more charming that's what i liked about it i just thought it was really nice but the film is worth watching but the reason i bring it up as in terms of an interesting idea is that in america because all these actors they have czech names which i don't even know i'm not even going to try pronounce some of these fucking things there's so many k's and z's i don't know what to do with myself but in america they changed the name of the movie to voyage to the end of the universe they cut out about 10 or 15 minutes worth of the existential questions and the drama parts they apparently changed the music they added or no sorry they, they added music but they've changed the names of the actors they gave them american names like fred thompson and all these fucking really american sounding names and they've changed the end of the movie through dubbing because with the dubbing they could just change what they're saying but they've made it that it's a a really cheesy tacky fucking ending i don't i'm not going to say what happens but they, they just made a complete hames of this movie and this was thankfully restored in like some hungarian film lab and brought back to its original like the way it was supposed to be so thank fuck for that but it's it's one i'd highly recommend watching it's not a lot of people have seen it not a lot of people have heard of it but if you can track it down definitely do so i don't think it's a masterpiece in a way like i think it it inspired the masterpieces that people are familiar with and i can see why and it deserves credit for that uh but it does it, it can be quite dreary at times and like i said i wasn't mad about the ending but th- there's a lot in there to really like and there's a lot of charm to it so it's one i'd fucking thoroughly recommend and then i watched a japanese one which also has gone through some similar title changes uh i don't actually agree with either title that this movie has but it's a movie by this guy called toshiaki toyota and i bought a box out of his from third window films in the arrow sale uh mainly for this movie uh the other two movies were just a nice bonus which i haven't watched it but they're apparently fantastic uh, but this is one he made called Porno Star from 1998. And I only heard of it because Gareth Evans, who directed The Raid, was talking about movies that influenced him. And his first movie, Footsteps, was more of an action, like guns-related sort of thriller. And it, it apparently took a lot of influence from this movie. And some of this movie has made its way into his other movies too. But it basically follows this young guy. He's almost homeless. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's just a strange guy in a rain jacket who gets off a train uh, in the middle of Tokyo. And he's wandering around and he he really, really, for some reason, despises Yakuza gangsters. He just immediately has it in for them. So he finds himself getting into fights with them just so he can kill them. Like his, his plan is to go on a killing spree, killing all the Yakuza. And in the process of doing this, he befriends a gang of lads who are working for the Yakuza. But they're kind of just, they're just foot soldiers working their way up to hopefully get into the Yakuza. And he, he sort of half respects them because, well, respect's probably not the right word, but... 
he hangs around them because they're not actually Yakuza, but they can get him close to Yakuza to kill. And that's pretty much the, the basic plot of it, but a lot of it's kind of him walking around, making friends, and there's a lot of stabbing. Some of the stabbing scenes in this are fucking nerve-wracking to watch. Because there's one, it's a long take. These are real, I'm convinced these are real knives. And this guy just has some sort of padding of his shirt or something. But this guy is lashing into him with several knives and they're getting stuck there. And I'm thinking if he goes a half inch deeper than he should, he's going to kill this fucking guy. It's just really, really tense. But it's kind of, to, to call it like a killing spree type movie, it's not really that accurate. It's more just a sort of somber drama about this guy trying to, I suppose, make friends. But with a gritty crime element on top of it, it's it's... A very bizarre, very experimental, quite artistic movie with some really brutal, strange, out of nowhere, offbeat, funny, violent shit going on. Uh, but I, from watching it and reading about it, I have no fucking clue why this is called Porno Star. It, it might mean something different in Japan, I have no clue, but it's called Porno Star and that would make you think that it's going to be like some sleazy fucking mad movie, but it, I mean, there is a bit of sleaze in it, but it's... It's not at all what the title would suggest. In America, it's called Tokyo Rampage. Which, again, makes it sound like it's going to be way more action-packed crazy. Because when you read the plot, like even how I described it there, is a guy who hates Yakuza going around on a killing spree killing them. That's a portion of the movie. It's the thing that drives the movie, but it's not the main... It's not It's not what's happening 24-7 in this fucking film. Tokyo Rampage would, would suggest that that's what it's going to be like. And I'm pretty sure that they couldn't market the movie as porno star in japan or in america because like who the fuck's gonna see this movie so they just changed the name to tokyo rampage so i don't think either title accurately reflects what the movie's like i think the movie is really really unique and well made um it can be a bit slow at times but i was just captivated by some of the set pieces in it and like i said nervous watching how they were achieving some of the stuff because it's just fantastic special effects and it's just choreographed really well and i think as a debut feature as well, it's a seriously strong one. So yeah, it's it's worth getting that box set because it comes with two other movies that he made. His first one's a documentary. Uh, well, actually, no, this is his first feature movie. He, he shot this documentary a couple of years beforehand. He didn't release it till a few years after. It's called Unchain, and it's about a Japanese boxer. And the other movie he did is called Nine Souls, which is about a bunch of Japanese prisoners who I think go on the run from prison. Something like that. I, I didn't really read into it because I kind of want to go in uh, relatively blind. Um, but yeah, it's worth picking up the box. I got it for 12 quid and it comes with three movies but they're really well mastered and they sound really good. Original subtitles, all that. So you can't really go wrong with it. But yeah, th- this was enjoyable. I can see some of the influence it had on Garth Evans but I'd say that's more to do with visuals rather than narrative or... Uh, I suppose style for lack of a better word but yeah uh after that then i of course i watched action jackson which i gave a, a rundown on earlier and that was just fucking superb so I, all i can say is definitely watch action jackson uh, and I, I meant to mention before it's by craig or baxley who made a movie i watched a few years ago it was actually i think it was the first year i started reviewing properly with cracked reel on facebook and it's for a movie called stone cold and I want to give it another chance. I I watched it at a time where, like I said, I wasn't really giving action movies a fair shot when I should have been. Because, uh, like I said, I, I suppose I, my the way I watch movies, I've evolved. And I think everyone should in some way. Because I know people who would 
would just fob off a lot of movies that I know they'd actually probably like if they just gave them a real chance. But and, and I would have been the same. I would have been way too up my own arse to admit I liked certain movies, but now I don't give a bollocks. But that movie, even though there was parts of it I clearly enjoyed, it's like I, I found myself just really not clicking with it at all. And it should. It has every fucking thing I like. It has William Forsythe in it. It has this guy called The Boz, which I call him Brian Bunzo at one stage. But Brian Bosworth is what his name is. And he's this... I think he's an American footballer as well. There's a lot of American footballers actually back in the day doing movies. But he's like this tough cop who gets involved with gangster or gangster biker types who are run by William Forsythe. And... I think what's he do? He goes undercover. I don't really remember. It's been years since I watched it, but I remember just it being pissed off watching it and just like this is annoying me. And I think a big part of that was when I really learned about the NC seventeen rating. Now I think I've mentioned it before about how the the rating system in America, the rating system here. I don't want to get involved in that again. But there were so many movies that received the NC seventeen rating in the early nineties that didn't deserve it. I think with the the height of the LA riots and just the height of crime and stuff back then nearly anything that had guns in it or anything like that was immediately just slapped at an NC-17 rating anything that was at all violent and they were forced to cut them back and this was one of their movies when I heard about it it said NC-17 fucking action movie I thought oh man this is going to be unreal I thought it was going to be ultra violent crazy fucking action but the movie's so tame now it has so much fun dumb shit in it that again I kind of might have stifled when I was watching it that when I think back I'm like that actually wasn't as terrible as I remember. So again that's another reason why I think I should revisit a lot of movies but no there's some movies I know are, are terrible but there's some that I I know part of me liked and I want to give them another try. But with that movie I was just expecting something so much different and when I saw because it was cut and it's never been released uncut. I just saw this movie and I thought this does not deserve the hype around it of crazy action and it it just it just rubbed me the wrong way. So to see his name pop up I was a bit like oh I don't know but this is the movie that I wanted basically from Stone Cold and before I even knew it. This movie was just so fucking good. So Action Jackson highly recommended. You're going to recognize fucking everybody in it and you're just going to have a blast. It's it's like watching a bunch of friends get together and make a movie. It was just so much fun. Um, and of course I followed that up with VFW. Like I said I like to go through my, my letterboxed. And what's the word. Kind of get a, a an accurate timeline of when I watch stuff. But I, I went a bit all over the place there. But the final film I watched. Was one that I had never heard of. I went in pretty much entirely blind. But it's a strange one. It's called Dogs in Space. And it's an Australian coming of age drama. Starring Michael Hutchins, who was in In Excess. And I, it's an odd movie because there's no real main character. And I don't mean that in a an ensemble way like Friends. I just mean that you're pretty much just sitting down with a group of down-and-out social misfits who hang around this rent house in the middle of Australia. And they just spend their entire time listening to music, doing drugs, having sex, going around doing mad shit, drinking, going to gigs. And you're pretty much just hanging out with these people for nearly two hours. And, I mean, Michael Hutchins' character, he's like this drug addict, heroin addict singer. Part of one of the bands in it. And apparently some of these characters are based on real people that the director, Richard Lowenstein, knew. And a friend of his, Sam, is who Michael Hutchins is based on. And... I think 
that kind of added a bit to it as well that he's based this on real experiences he's had but it was strange because you're introduced to several characters and you think okay these are going to be the main character but they're not everyone's kind of in the background his character and his girlfriend are the only characters that you really kind of get a sort of narrative arc with and even then you don't really so it's just really odd it's just you're watching a bunch of punks it's set it's actually set in 1978 it was made in 86 but it has this very 80s feel to it despite the fact it's set years before and there's a great soundtrack to it loads of like iggy pop and stuff like that the best part is there's a song by the birthday party which is one of the first bands that nick cave was involved in and they i think they had three or four songs in this but the song is called shivers and it's a kind of love song that was uh was kind of written to be more tongue-in-cheek but when nick cave sang it it ended up being considered one of the most romantic love songs ever written so it's kind of funny how that worked out but that song actually plays a prominent part in this movie because it, it appears twice once the actual song and it's the video that you find on youtube uh is actually playing in this movie and then there's a cover version of it at, at one of the gigs and it's just a fucking amazing song i highly recommend it but that kind of that, that made me enjoy the movie a bit more i think with a bit of structure it could have been a lot better the acting's actually really believe like the whole thing is like let's talk about with uncut gems how you have several people talking over each other at once and really just feels natural and real in terms of set design and mise-en-scene and the way people talk and everything in this movie it all feels totally realistic except michael hutchins who's really fucking crap in this movie uh he sings in it and he sings really well but he's kind of playing this always scratchy sort of heroin addict and he's just i think he just hams it up so fucking much and his character is a total cunt so it was really hard to give a shit about him um but everyone else in it just felt like real people and it just felt really natural and it was like you were just hanging out with these people for a couple of days so there is elements to it i really liked uh i don't think i'd watch it again but in terms of how it looks how it's shot the set like i said the set design and art direction is just fucking out of this world the amount of detail every bedroom is just littered with stuff and not just like a typical messy okay you look around the room there's a clothes and shit everywhere there's like every sticker that's been around it's like it's almost as if they bought this house and they had the direct all the stars from the movie living there for two years acting like these characters and whatever they've accumulated behaving like these characters posters from gigs fucking stickers toys beer bottles all that kind of shit they've just allowed the house to become exactly how it is in the movie and they just shot the movie after all that that's that's just how legitimate and real it all felt but i think i think by not having a proper person to follow or a real narrative structure it it can lose your interest even though it's so rich with fucking detail and atmosphere it doesn't really have much else but it is definitely worth a look I'd, I'd definitely recommend it but i think it could have been stronger in a lot of ways but getting to hear that song in the movie because i don't think i've heard it in a movie before is fucking great and it's a song i thoroughly recommend so shivers give it a look now i've i've talked about all the movies that i've seen i want to review but the, the the thing i mentioned earlier on that i want to talk about is ratings now i'm going to finish on this because how long am i going now i'm, <laughs> I'm pushing two hours again nearly uh so this was longer than i expected to be but my issue is and i i I think i mentioned this in the first episode as well that i wanted to do a little piece on this but it's to do with ratings and i i find myself hurting how i'm reviewing a movie in some ways by having ratings now you've probably noticed by every time i talk about a movie on this i've never actually given a star rating star ratings is what i mean when i say ratings and i'm not talking about certificates or anything like that i 
experimented for a while. See, I'm constantly changing on Facebook how I review movies with star ratings. Now, I started off by just doing five stars, and then I started doing half stars, and then I started doing out of ten, and then I started doing a traffic light system, and then I started doing thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, which is a bit too eberty for my liking. But I, I found myself, I, I can't... I don't really like putting these things in those boxes. I mean, it is nice, especially aesthetically, when you look at Letterboxd, which obviously, you know, I've fucking talked about w- way too many times already on this fucking show. But with that, I like having all my ratings there. But I find myself going, I have it all from one to five on that. You can do it out of ten, or you can do it out of five. I've been doing it out of five. But there's some movies that I just don't know what to fucking rate them. Like, okay, say I stick to the five star format. And I'm not doing half stars. I'm just doing one to five. There's some movies out there that I think are better than a three. But not as good as a four. So should they be three and a half? Or should they be four? Or should they be three? Or what? Like, the, I think trying to box movies into these little ratings is... It hurts them. And it it hurts how I watch them. That was initially why I, I brought in that traffic light system a couple of years... Or a couple of months ago. Or last year. And the reason why was because when I'm watching a movie... I can't remember what movie it was now. But I remember as I was watching it, I was going, ah, this would probably be a four star. And I thought, what the fuck am I doing? I'm not watching the movie. I'm not concentrating on it. I'm not paying real attention. I'm sitting here imagining in my head. It's like I have a little egg timer in my head of the star ratings going out of it. Like it's like a full egg timer is a five stars and the more drips and drabs out is the less rating it has. And I'm thinking, why am I concerned as I'm watching this movie about what I'm going to rate it later? I shouldn't be. And that, that's when I knew there was a problem with this whole fucking star rating thing. For anyone else, I've talked about this before, people, about how, how much trouble I have trying to break down exactly how I'm going to have my rating system. And they look at me like I've got ten fucking heads. Because to them, it's like, oh, well, i just do it out of five. And I see some people, they do, like, they rate something. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll give that movie a, a 6.8 out of ten. I'm like, how the fuck do you define that, that point eight compared to a six or a seven? It's like... What sort of system do you have in your head that no one else can fucking make sense of? But I've, I've found myself doing that all the time and it, it bugged the shit out of me. So I brought in a traffic light system which was if I give it a green light it means I, I liked it or loved it. You can figure that out from what the review says. So I wanted the review itself to do the talking rather than people just going oh he gave that a 2, he gave that a 4, I know what to watch, blah blah. I want people to read about it and go okay that has elements that appeal to me. I can see why he liked it. Maybe I'll like it. The, obviously a red then would be dog shit. Don't watch it. And then yellow would be that it's good. It's okay. And even then I found myself while watching a movie going. Would this be a yellow or a green? And it's, it just constantly fucking annoys me. I just want to be able to watch the movie. Experience it to the fullest. And then eventually come up with a rating system. Not even come up with a rating system. Just, just give my review. Give my opinion on it. If I call something like... <laughs> Like I said, I've been criticised before for saying the word masterpiece a lot, which I do. But to me, a masterpiece is just something that I absolutely loved to the the fullest. That's how I would describe it. I, I'd rather use that word and describe things that way than just go, okay, that's a 5 out of 5. Because like, I don't think it means much. I think I think rating, star rating systems or any kind of rating systems for movies hurts it. Especially when you've got designated words. Because like, at one stage as well I was doing that. I had Masterpiece being a 5 star. I had Very Good being 4. I had Good being 3. Not Good as 2 and then 1 was terrible. But then I think there's some movies that are not good but they're not exactly terrible. Where do I, where does that fit in? I can't just decide okay it's not good. 
And then in my head, this is another thing I did in terms of rating films too. This is again, this is just me rambling shite about what I feel is wrong with how I rate things. But that's I mean, you're listening to this. This is this is the whole point of this podcast. I need to talk bollocks and get all these fucking things out. Um, but I'd find myself if it was a star rating. Say I watched a movie that was good and I gave it a three stars and I watched something else that I quite enjoyed but I didn't feel it was a four star in my head I'd be going well now I have to compare it to that other three star film because now they're both three stars but I much prefer that one to it so is it really a four star and again to the average person this is just like this This is a madman talking shite right now this is the most nonsense thing ever you should just be able to rate something out of ten or out of five but to me there's a lot more to it I think I think by having numbers and having stuff like that really I don't think it has an accurate representation because the reviews themselves should really speak for it. If I have a a fucking review for a movie that's total vitriolic hatred then you know okay don't watch that. But if I kind of say something is kind of shit and I didn't really enjoy it I don't feel like it's fair to lump that in the same category then. I think what I'm saying and what I'm writing should be what guides people for what they should watch or what i think they should watch i want to try abandon stars altogether i want to get rid of them on letterboxd as nice as they look and i want to get rid of them on um facebook because it's just personally i find myself uh, being stuck in terms of how to review things because of them and again like there could be movies that i didn't really see a flaw with like like I talked about 1917 I think when I on Letterboxd I gave it 5 stars because I was just blown away by it but in my head then or even people were looking at going oh you think it's as good as that no it's no way it is and I'd be like yeah you're right but they're very different but then I start questioning myself oh have I rated it too highly and whatever else and I just think it's a mess <laughs> so I, I, it's a bit rambly what I'm saying now it's kind of it's clearly off the cuff that's the whole point of this even though I have my fucking stupid little phone of notes here but I, I i'm trying to figure out a way to express this because i again a lot of stuff i've talked about on this podcast are things that i've wanted to turn into articles at one stage and i had no clue how because i don't know how i'm supposed to write a full article called why i should abandon stars although i probably could <laughs> now that i think about it but how it could have it be in any way useful or any way interesting because most of these articles that come out it's like there could be five lines it's all clickbait shite and if I'm going to write something I'd like to put a bit of fucking thought into it and I think it's easier to just ramble shite about that now than it is to try stretch it out into a fucking long article which could bore the tits off someone which this could probably be doing too but yeah I think I need to come up with a system or I need to abandon stars I, I need to come up with something that can guide people but also not infringe on how I'm going to view the movie because it's pissing me off at this stage and and even last night like when i watched that dogs in space movie i was really enjoying it but i i felt myself at one point going i wonder what i rate this i was like no stop doing that just watch the movie and recommend it so my word of mouth will be my reviews for this I, i'm never going to give star ratings on this show uh because i think i think it'll just hurt i actually i'm thinking back i don't remember if i've actually given star ratings and i hope i haven't uh just for the sake of looking better now but in general when i review something on this it'll be how enthusiastically i talk about it or or how much i'm actually telling it to go watch it i don't want anyone to be like oh what would you give it out of five because it, it's not accurate fuck all that noise so 
you'll have to read the review or listen to me if you want to know what I think about it. So yeah, there's a... I suppose you could call that a positive ending. I probably would. Because it's, it's showing that I've come to terms of what I'm going to do to, to review these things. Though I do I do like a kind of thumbs up, thumbs down system. But I think because that's Ebert's thing, or Siskel and Ebert, it, kind of, it would feel too much like I've robbed it or something. I don't know. But I didn't get the good example that way. Because if it's a thumbs up, you know, I like the movie and... Yeah, that's actually probably the best way to do it. If I could just have a green and red, no fucking stop sign or no yellow light. If I could just have green and red. So if it's red, you know I didn't like the movie. That's that's all you need to know. And then the review itself will distinguish how, compared to the other movies, how much I hate it. Because if I start doing it by stars, then it gets too technical and it's a lot of bollocks. But if I have a green rating, it means I liked the movie. And if you read the review, you'll then know whether I just liked it or that I loved it. So... Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and it took me this... It took me fucking 10 minutes talking about this shit to get to that conclusion. But here, I, I, there he is. A positive uh, a positive ending. This was really long. And I think it's my longest episode to date now. Uh, it could be. And if you made it this far, I feel like this could be my most unstructured, rambly episode. Because as I said, I've been, my head feels like it's full of concrete at the moment. And I just... It's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it came together well. I don't know. You fucking tell me. That's 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 the other thing as well. I like all the feedback I'm getting on this because I mentioned last week that I've had nothing but overwhelming positive reviews, and I'm glad about that. If there's any criticisms, though, I'd like to hear them as well. If if, if you feel like I'm doing something right or wrong, now of course I, I've already been said that oh, you should keep notes and blah blah, and I don't even like doing it. The notes I have on my phone are literally just I had Birds of Prey written there. I had action movies written there. That that'd be my example of notes. Um. That's more just to help me remember, but I, I don't I don't like structure, really. I like that I can just come here and talk bollocks for <laughs> what was originally meant to be an hour at a time, but it's now pushing two hours. And I like I like being able to have that freedom and just do it the way it is and people can take what they want from it. And this is more of a kind of people put this on while they're doing shit or commuting or even if they're just sitting there and actually just want to listen to me talk shit, that'd be great. But I like to make it feel like I'm sitting there bothering the arse off you with fucking movie trivia and reviews and whatnot. So that that won't change as far as I'm concerned because that, that's the maybe unique quality is not the word but that's the quality I want to bring to this in that it just feels natural at all times. But if you have any criticisms in terms of maybe how I'm actually structuring reviews or how I'm structuring anything really just let me know. I'd like to hear. Um, if you're any of the people from Luxembourg or Netherlands or anything like that who've been listening, please get in contact. I'd love to know. Do follow the Crack Trail Instagram. Now, I'm going to read it out just to make sure I fucking have it right because I think I I described it to someone before and said hyphen instead of an underscore for what it is. But let me just see. Okay, yeah. So it's cracked underscore real underscore podcast at or on Instagram. So if you just search that, you'll find it. And you'll find some posters and some blu-ray stuff that i've uploaded and whatnot and i'm gonna try expand it and get it bigger and put more interesting stuff in i put some trailers and i put a trailer for this uh, oh yeah i suppose i should i kind of talked about this on the the instagram page as well so that'll cover some of the smaller stuff that i can't really be asked talking about here but it's about this russian chinese co-production that managed to get arnold schwarzenegger and jackie chan as probably very very small characters and they're now pushing the movie like that they're the lead characters and i think people are going to be disappointed and it's meant to be crap anyway it's called Vi, but they've now called it uh the iron mask or the, the iron mask journey to china something like that you can read all about it on the instagram page that's what i'm saying so yeah um 
if you enjoyed this thanks again for listening I think two hours is way too fucking long but uh, I'm glad you've enjoyed it and I'm, to do it on my own like I said from episode one I was nervous of even doing 20 minutes so I'm pretty happy I've managed to sit here for several hours now shit talking but I uh, I have mentioned several times now that I do plan on having guests and uh, filmmakers and all kinds of people on this to talk about their craft and talk about what they've set up and I have some interesting guest ideas it's just a case of getting out of my room basically so I want to get another one of these microphones and I want to get a laptop and somewhere to set up and I think I said before if someone has a laptop they want to let me please do because I'd love to fucking take this out and get some really good long in-depth conversations about movies about tv about whatever with people who are involved in the medium or just even people who fucking love it other podcasters and friends of mine who might be interested if you can talk about it for a long time and you enjoyed doing it passionately and honestly then you're more than welcome to be on the show so with that and with the abundance of shit that came before this thanks for listening please share it around follow the instagram follow the facebook follow this on spotify follow it on apple podcasts or itunes and podbean and yeah we all comes goodbye